Isn't his presence wonderful? Yes, praise God, praise God. I love his presence. I love Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love the Lord, and God is good. Amen? <laughs> well, I want to thank each and every one of you for an incredible 10-year celebration here. Last week, it was awesome. Pastor Mark did a wonderful job, and just an amazing story. How many of you are still... Uh, trying to help him get them fish in the boat. How many know what I'm talking about? Just, just, just help him. I just want to run up on stage and help him. Come on, you can get it in. Amen. Praise God. God is good. Um, I'm going to, uh, by the way, every Christian needs one of these. Uh, uh, these, are, these are phenomenal. Uh, the Center for Christian Virtue puts these out. Um, and it, this is amazing. Every, everybody should read through. I got one for every family member. So not per person, but we do have enough one for every household. And it is just, it's bipartisan. It's, there's no, it's not telling you who to vote for. But it sure does tell you where each candidate stands on which end of all kinds of issues. So grab you one of these and, and you'll be blessed by it. I'm going to start a little two-part series here today on um, prayer and how God... Um, you pray, and we all know how to pray, but there's tracks that you can pray um, that will keep you focused. How many of you know, how many of you have ever been in the prayer closet before, and you just lose track of what you're even saying and what you're doing? Am I the only one? I mean, I've had the Lord literally stop me before and say, stop, what did you just pray? And I, had, I didn't have the foggiest idea. I thought, well, God, if you don't know, I sure don't know. And I, just my mind wandering. How many of you know your mind wanders when you pray? Am I the only one that that happens to? Okay. And so there are tracks that Pastor Larry Stockstill and Pastor University has been teaching us. And I'm going to roll one of these out today. This is going to be the most familiar to you. I'm going to do another one next week. Listen, at, even though we're not worshiping here at 3, at 10.30 next Sunday, I'm going to have a track of prayer I'm going to teach. I'm going to record it this week, and we're going to post that on Facebook and YouTube at 10.30 Sunday. So you'll get a chance to watch that, be fed, and then come out at 6 o'clock for worship together with Church on Fire and hot chocolate and hot apple cider and all that other good stuff. How many, how many uh, uh, what time are we going to have that posted next Sunday? What time? 10.30. It's going to be posted, right? And what time do we worship here? Six. That's exactly right. All right. Praise God. Give yourselves a hand. Praise the Lord. Um, all right. I am going to teach the, probably the most familiar track. This is the one that Jesus taught us. But I promise some of the things that I'm going to teach you in this are going to be a different mindset than what you may be used to. I've been doing this prayer track now on and off for the last couple of months since I was first taught it. And it's amazing the difference has been in the prayer closet for me. So I'm very excited to teach this to you. If you have your notebooks, uh, you're going to want to take notes today. You're going to want to go back and watch this again. You're going to want to write down notes. I actually have it in a workbook. And I go, I pull my workbook out and I, and I walk through it when I'm praying in the morning. So uh, you're not going to want to miss this. I promise you there's going to be some things in here that you probably haven't thought about before. But I'm going to teach on the Lord's Prayer which is the pattern of Jesus. How many would think that's a good place to start in prayer, the pattern of Jesus? So the Lord's Prayer, the pattern of Jesus. And uh, I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 6. And we're, in fact, we're going to preach the whole thing in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. And uh, we're going to read from the New King James Version. And when you have it, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, we, uh, we, you can pull it up on our version notes or 
whatever you want to do. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. This is the Lord's Prayer or the pattern of Jesus. This is a track um, that Jesus didn't necessarily want us to pray these exact words, although it doesn't hurt. And many of you, how many of you memorize the Lord's Prayer? And you know it. I, and I say it almost every day, okay? But we're going we're gonna to flesh this out and what this really means. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. And uh, it, it begins here, in this manner, therefore pray. In this manner, in this type, in this pattern, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your presence, and you are holy. I pray, God, for the next few moments, you will arrest our attention, and you will speak to us from the word of God. I pray, teach us how to pray, Lord. In fact, that's the answer to this. They ask you how to pray, and this is what you said. I pray in Jesus' name, anoint me, speak through me, God, and if necessary, in spite of me. But I pray, let this seed be planted in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today. In Jesus' name, and everybody sit. Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles out in whatever form you have, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people and say, Learn how to pray. This older guy got, uh, was, a, was a, a logsmith, and he got challenged by a young guy to a log-splitting competition. How much wood could they chop in a day? Well, that young guy was just swinging that axe over and over like Sun Effect does. And he was just swinging and swinging and swinging. And that older guy would swing a while, and then he'd sit down. He'd swing a while, and then he'd sit down. Well, that young guy just kept on. He kept thinking, boy, I'm going to roast this guy. He's taking all these breaks. I'm going to keep on going. Well, at the end of the day, the older man had far outdone him with the amount of wood chop. He said, I, 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 I think there's cheating going on. There's no way this is, can be right. You've cheated. I've watched you sit under shade trees. I've watched you take breaks. I've watched you hang out. And I've been working diligently all day. There's no way you could have chopped as much wood as me. What were you doing under that tree anyways? He said, well, he said, son, when you thought I was sitting down taking a break, he said, I was sharpening my axe. He said, because I found out a long time ago you can chop more wood with a sharp axe than you can with a dull one. That's what prayer does to our life every single day of our life. It sharpens our spirit. It sharpens who we are as we walk with God. This world doles us out. The things of the world dole us out. But when we get in that prayer closet every day, God is sharpening us. He's sharpening our attunement to Him. He is sharpening our spirituality to Him. He is sharpening our ears to Him. I, I, I have, I, I, Pastor Larry Stockstill said this, and I have found this to be so over the last couple of months. 
In fact, prior to that, but I've just been noticing the past couple of months. He said, you know, if I start my day in prayer, I find that I can make eight decisions in an hour. But if I don't start my day in prayer, I find it takes me eight hours to make one decision. So if I start my day in prayer, I can make eight decisions in an hour. But if I don't, it takes me eight hours to make one decision. So prayer does not waste our time. Prayer saves us time. The devil would like to tell you that you're so busy you don't have time to stop and pray. You've got to get here. You've got to do that. You've got to push, 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 push. Go, 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 go. And if you stop to pray, boy, it's going to put you further behind schedule. I'm here to tell you that it's actually going to save you time. It's actually going to save you heartache. You're going to make the right decisions and not have to backtrack everything and go back the other way. How many know what I'm talking about? The busier we are, the more we need to pray. And really, our goal should be an hour of prayer a day. Acts 3.1, that that includes Bible reading because that's God speaking to you. But Acts 3.1 says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And that was a set aside hour where they prayed. But I really believe, you know, Jesus told the disciples, could you not tarry one hour? Could you not pray one hour? And some of you think, man, there's no way I can't. There's no way I can do an hour with God. I promise you, if you will make the habit of it, if you will make the take the time to set aside, to spend an hour with God every morning, your day will go phenomenally. I heard Jensen Franklin say one time, if you start your day in prayer, nothing outside of the will of God will happen to you the rest of that day. I really believe that. Four or five different places in Scripture talks about being devoted in prayer. Everybody say devoted. Devoted here means attached, adhere to, like, like, like sticky Velcro or like, or like you... A glue, it's, a, it's an adhesement almost, to earnest towards. So when we, when we talk about being devoted to prayer, we think so many times, I need to be disciplined to pray. And that's the reason so many of us are not praying like we should every day. Because it's never moved from discipline to devotion. Discipline is something I have to do. I just, you know, I got to discipline myself to do this. It doesn't sound fun. It's not warm. It's not anything endearing. But when we devote ourselves to prayer, we are attaching ourselves to the presence of God. We're adhering ourselves like glue to the presence of God. We are earnestly going toward God. I mean, I don't know about you men, but I don't think Holly's going to get the warm fuzzies if I tell her, man, I'm disciplined to be with you today, baby. How many of you women want to hear your husband say, I am disciplined to be with you today? I don't see any hands going up. Well, then why do we look at prayer like it's a discipline? But how many of you ladies would like to hear your husband say, Honey, I am devoted to you today. I'm attached to you. I don't have to be with you. I get to be with you. I want to be in your presence. How many of you ladies? Let me see a show of hand, ladies. You want to hear your husband say, Look at this. Okay, there's about four ladies. Well, it, Holly, you better raise your hand. In Jesus' name, <laughs> wave it. Wave your foot. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> See, it's not about the discipline of prayer. It is about the delight and the devotion of prayer. 
Let me say that again. It is not about the discipline of prayer. It is about the delight and the devotion of prayer. Watch what Acts 2.42 says. And they discipline themselves. Is that what it says? No. It says they devoted, they attached themselves to the presence of God, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. To the fellowship. That's why we do small groups here. We need to fellowship. We need to be devoted to small groups. It's not about discipline. Well, I got to go to small group tonight. No, I get to go to small groups tonight. Amen? Somebody say amen. I even love your small group. Yeah, I love mine. Praise God. They devoted themselves to prayer. Look, Acts 6, 4. But we will watch. Does it say discipline? No. It says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I'm going to attach myself to the presence of God. I'm going to take delight. Why would I not want to be in the glory of God every day? Why would I not want to get into the glory of God every single day of my life? Romans 12, 12 says it this way. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted, attached, endeared to prayer. Prayer is the foundational habit upon which all the other habits are stacked. So if you can ever get one habit down and you can nail that habit and you don't miss it day after day, it's just who you are, then you can stack it and go to a second habit. And then once you get that, you can stack a third habit and you can create good habits in your life. Well, I'm here to tell you that the number one habit you should nail every single day of your life is prayer. Now, that includes the Word of God because that's God speaking to you and then you praying, speaking to God. Daniel had a habit to pray three times a day. Let me blow your mind here for just a second. I know we're busy and we say, I don't have time to pray. Listen, Daniel administrated the whole world and still managed to pray three times a day. And you think you're busy. Let me say it again. Daniel administrated 127 provinces, basically the entire world. That's a busy man. And he still managed to find three times a day to pray. That was a man that wasn't disciplined to pray. He was a man that was devoted to pray. It's the greatest challenge when we are busy and the struggle against prayer Because it involves the unseen world. We go to prayer. We have a good time in the presence of God. We pray our prayers. We feel the release. We move on. But we don't always see the result that instant. It's an unseen world. So it's a hard thing to to combat and go through every single day of our lives. And so I think we need tracks to pray by. We all pray better with a track. And I don't mean a gospel track. I mean a track like what I'm teaching today. Without a track, your mind runs aimlessly You get bored. You stop prematurely. You don't pray like we should. So in all the tracks I'm going to teach you, there are three sections. This one that today, next week, at the first of the year, I'm going to teach two more. And those tracks are, are made up of three things. Waiting, worship, and warring. Waiting, worship, and warring. And I'm going to lay them out for you. 
waiting. And all of these be quiet before the Lord. David said in the Psalms, I will wait upon the Lord. So you actually start your prayer time. I need everybody to look up at me and listen to this very closely. You actually start your prayer time quiet. Nothing. Now I'm going to tell you, it's harder than you think. I mean, I I can keep my mind quiet for about 30 seconds right now. Some of the best in the business, they say seven minutes is about as good as they can go. You you remain quiet before the Lord. And you even, if you start to think, you say, mind, be quiet. You settle down. I'm waiting on God. Watch this. And you're waiting for God to put a song or a scripture right here. Not in your mind. Right here in your spirit. I'm telling you, it works. I'm telling you, I have quieted my mind before the Lord. And then within a minute, the Lord gave me a scripture. And I went to it. It's exactly what I needed for the day. I'm telling you, God has put songs on me. I haven't heard anybody sing in years. Right here. Right here in my spirit. You start your prayer by being quiet before the Lord. You wait for him. I don't know why, but God kind of just likes you to sit quietly before him. I'm talking about no music. I'm talking about no distractions. I'm talking about no noise. I'm talking about you sit there and say, Lord, I'm going to get quiet before you. Will you please give me a scripture or song to start my prayer today? I promise if you wait for God to do that, it will change the entire trajectory of your prayer time. But you got to get that mind in line. In fact, Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. Prayer starts from heaven, not from earth. How many of you seen the second Top Gun? Top Gun uh, Maverick movie. Okay, several of you. For those of you that have not seen it, they have parts in there where the planes are flying in these canyons. Those of you who've seen it. You remember little canyon and they're flying in and out and then they get to the mountain and what do they do? They pull back on that stick and psh, up they go. The majority of our prayer time is canyon prayers. Everything down here on this earth, this, that, and the other, all the distractions, all the things, all the things we need, it's all down here. What I'm saying to you and what God is saying to you is, you start your prayer time by pulling back on that stick and going straight up to the heavens to the glory of God. It's saying, God, I need to get in your presence before I do anything else today. I need to get in the glory of God before I do anything else. Before I ask you one thing, it's pointing that nose up and hitting them 10 G's and going all the way. Somebody say a good amen. Prayer is the foundation of our life and our ministry. Dr. Paul Youngi Cho in Indonesia, a million member church, mostly small groups, but he testifies. I want you to think about this. He said, every morning I go to the office, it's filled with sick people. He said, if I've had my time in prayer that morning, I lay hands and every single person gets healed. He said, but when I don't have time in prayer, I lay hands and nobody gets healed. There's something about getting in the glory of God that is beyond just you. Perhaps your coworker needs you to be in the glory of God. Perhaps the person that's checking you out at the cash register needs you to be in the glory of God. Perhaps your family member needs you to get in the glory of God because they need God in their life and you need to give it to them. Somebody say amen. Again, why would I not want to come into the glory of God every day? 
And that leads me to point one, and I'm just going to follow the Lord's prayer here. Number one, here's the first thing we do. When God gives us that song, he gives us that scripture, and we go from there. We start with worship. Everybody say worship. We worship his covenant names. Write that down. Worship his covenant names. If you've got a phone, take notes on your phone. I encourage you, if you're watching online, take notes. Go back, create a track of this. I actually have a physical track that I walk through with this. Use Psalm 103 and his names there to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's worshiping his name. That's the first thing you do after you've waited and God's given you. And, 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 and you worship his covenant names. All five are found right here in Psalm 103, 3 through 5. Who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So the first one, Psalm 103 and 3. Who forgives all your iniquity? Oh, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth, is, your youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay, Psalm 103 and 3. And I'll come back to these individually. Go to the next verse if you will. Psalm 103 and 3. Who forgives all your iniquities? Everybody say Jehovah Sit Canoe. That is his name here. Jehovah meaning the Lord, Sit Canoe meaning our righteousness. God is our righteousness who placed our iniquities on Jesus Christ. Iniquities is an inward bent towards sin handed down from three and four generations of family members. But when you come to Jesus Christ, he breaks and destroys those iniquities and he puts on you his righteousness. He takes iniquity out of your account and puts righteousness into your account. Somebody say a good amen. It's the best trade known to mankind. In fact, his name is clearly seen in Jeremiah 23 and 6. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. The Lord Jehovah, our righteousness, sit canoe. So we should stop before we even ask anything and just say, Lord, I worship you, Jehovah, sit canoe. I worship you because you've made me righteous. You have saved my soul. You have crushed the iniquities that have been passed down from generations and you have in place given me blessing. You have given me freedom. You have given me liberty. Oh God, I worship you and I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. Are you seeing, do you feel that? I can feel it just preaching this to you. Do you see how now all of a sudden you're entering the prayer closet with a scripture or song and now you begin to worship and thank God and you ain't even asked for nothing yet. Jesus has taken our sin and iniquity out of our account and put his righteousness in. Glory to God. You know what this means? This means I don't have to live in sin. This means I'm free to live for him. This means that he that knows the truth, the truth shall set him free. Glory to God. <laughs> that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <laughs> I don't have to bow down to sin. I don't have to bow down to anger outbursts or lust or any other sin that's out there. I am free because of Jehovah Sidkenu, because of Jesus, my righteousness. That's why Romans 6, 14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. I'm glory to God. I've got a new master. This is a good place right here to say, God, I thank you that you are my new master. Sin once was my master. I once bowed down to a bottle. Or I once bowed down to a cigarette. Or I once bowed down to nicotine. Or I once bowed down to gambling. Or I once bowed down to pornography. Or I once bowed down to dope and drugs. But 
but now in glory to God, I am free all that. And I bow before my God, my Savior, my Jesus. Somebody needs to shout amen. amen. Then the second name, Psalm 103 and 3, who heals all your diseases, Jehovah Rapha. Can I get a witness, Tanya? Somebody say praise God. God is our doctor. He placed our diseases in Christ, on, on Christ, in Christ, for me. You, you find his name clearly in Exodus 15 and 26. And he said, if you will diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the disease, everybody say None. None of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord Jehovah who heals you, Rapha. So you say, God, not only do you worship God for his righteousness and your freedom in Christ, now you begin to worship him for your healing. Oh, God, I've been healed by you. Oh, God, you spared me. Oh, God, you've healed. There's nothing that God can't heal. Come on, somebody. Somebody praise God. That means, you know what that means? I don't have to accept sickness. That means I don't have to accept disease. That means when the doctor says there's lesions on the liver, the next time she goes in, the doctor says, well, we can't find them and we know medicine didn't do it. I come to tell somebody, you begin to worship God and say he is Jehovah Rapha. What is cancer next to my God? What is heart disease next to my God? What is diabetes next to my God? My blessed Lord, I worship you, Jehovah Rapha. You hadn't even asked God for nothing yet. All you're doing is worshiping. You, you ain't hearing me today. I can live healthy. Do you hear me? I, you worship Jehovah Rapha. You know what that is? I can live healthy. <laughs> I can live free from all diseases and sickness. Then you move on. Psalm 103 and 4. Who redeems your life from destruction. That's Jehovah Nisi. Everybody say Jehovah Nisi. That's God our protector. Who defeated all the forces of darkness in Christ Jesus. Psalm 91. You find it clearly in Exodus 17, 13 through 16. Watch this. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Verse 15, but Mo, and Moses built an altar and called its name. Watch this, the Lord, that's Jehovah, is my banner, Nisi, my protector. For he said, because the Lord has shown, sworn, the Lord will have what with Amalek, from generation, war should be, with Amalek from generation to generation. In other words, God is our protector. This is a good place to thank God for the blood of Jesus on you and your family. This is a good place to worship and say, God, I thank you that you've got us covered. This is a good place, look at the next verse if you will, to worship and say, oh God, I thank you. Pull up the next verse for me if you will. Zechariah 2.5. For I, declares the Lord, will be, watch this, a wall of fire around her and I will be the glory in her midst. Oh God, I thank you that you're a wall of fire around me and my family. <laughs> the enemy can't get to me because of you, Lord. Oh, this is a good place to declare Psalm 125.2. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, 
so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Oh God, I worship you that you surround me. The devil can't get to me unless you give him permission. All oh, the enemy can't touch me, God, because you got me. You got you are my Jehovah niece. I worship you. Somebody say amen. This is a good place to bless him in Genesis 3, 24. So he drove the man out in the east of the Garden of Eden, and he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the truth of the tree of life. God, I thank you that you guard my children with angels and swords, flaming and turned about in every direction. I won't tell you, ain't nothing happening to them. Ain't nothing messing. One angel in the Bible destroyed 185,000 people in one night. You let somebody try to lay a hand on my kids. Uh Uh-uh. They got angels around them with swords flaming and turning about in every direction. (laughs) Oh, I come to tell somebody God's got you. Look, you still ain't even asked for nothing yet. You can live under the protection of God himself. Robert Morris told us in pastor's conference, he said, he said, I get threats. He said, credible threats. The FBI comes in. They said, no, this is a credible threat. You know, you got to make sure you're okay. He's got armed guards all over the church, dressed in black, guns on their side. They're all law enforcement. They're all carrying weapons where you can see them. He, it's so serious. This is how the devil is. That devil's a rascal. It's so serious. He, he had to hire Matt Damon. Do you know the actor Matt Damon? He had to hire his personal security guard away from Matt Damon. The guy protected Matt Damon for five years. When he hired him away to go protect Robert Morris, Matt Damon told Robert Morris, this is the real Jason Bourne. <laughs> he said, this guy will talk you down. If he can't talk you down, his average time take you down is four seconds. Well, listen, I want to tell you, you got somebody better than Jason Bourne watching over you. You got somebody who never sleeps. You got somebody who's never on vacation on the job, Brother Jerry. You got somebody that's never punched out and leaving you to yourself. You got somebody watching over your loved ones. Oh, I know they're not serving God now. It don't matter. You got God watching over them. God's going to reel them back in. God's going to protect them while he deals with them until he brings them home. Somebody say amen. Psalm 103 and 4. Who crowns you with loving kindness. That's Jehovah Shammah. That is the presence of God. God, our presence, who sent us the Holy Spirit in Christ. Look, you find it very clearly in Ezekiel 48, 35. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits. Talking about the city. And the name of the city from that day shall be, watch this, the Lord, that is Jehovah, is there. That's Shammah. I love that. The word there here means the wind, the breath. Or someone or something in its character. (laughs) This is a good time to stop and say, God, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you that the Lord Jehovah is there. The breath, the ruach, the wind of God is here in my life. And Jesus, when you ascended to heaven, you sent the Holy Ghost down here. You sent the Spirit of Almighty God to fill me, be upon me, walk with me, talk with me, and help me. Somebody say amen. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray in tongues every day. This is a good time to say, Lord, just pray through me. This is a good time. If you are, if you are, if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, this is a good time to do that. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues at a Friday night prayer meeting with two other people who dragged me to a prayer. 
And I was just walking around praying, and all of a sudden, I just started speaking a language I'd never heard. And the youth pastor got behind me, and he said, you got the Holy Ghost. And I said, well, praise God. <laughs> and then I backslid pretty bad. And I didn't pray in tongues a long time. And we were at Lee University. We were married. And I was sitting on the couch just praying. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on me. After I quit stealing cable and other things. Got my heart right. And I began to just speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. What I'm saying is, yes, this is a good place to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it's not the only place. Tracy Kellams got baptized in the Holy Spirit in his couch and small group in his living room. Can somebody say amen? amen. Psalm 103 and 5. Oh, I worship you, Jehovah Jireh, who satisfies your mouth with good things. With good, that's Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. He supplied all our needs in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You find Jehovah Jireh clearly in Genesis 22.14. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord, that's Jehovah, will provide. That's Jireh. Man, somebody needs to say amen. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And years later it was in the form of Jesus Christ. But God's still providing today. When you're a faithful tither, God provides. It's God's bill now. When you write out a tithe check, it's no longer your bill, it's God's bill. Woo! And he is a provider. When you're a faithful tither and giver, your financial problems now become God's problems. You can live free from financial fear and worry. Would you like, can you imagine a world where you no longer had to worry about where you're going to pay the bills and how you're going to buy food? You know what tithing and giving does? It is inflation shielded. I don't care how much prices get out there. God's still going to provide and put food on your table. You're not hearing what I'm saying. God's still going to pay the electric bill. He's still going to put a roof over your head. He's still going to put gas in your car. He's still going to put food in your fridge. I don't care how expensive it gets. When you give God tithe and offering, it is inflation shielded. God says, I'm bigger than inflation. I'm bigger than the decisions of this world. I will provide. All we've done up to this point is just worship. We ain't even prayed yet. Secondly, point number two, and the rest of this will go quicker. Surrender to his will. Surrender to his will. Somebody say surrender to his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's surrender. Be done is it has the, the imagery in the Greek of stamping your foot. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You ever say, I just, I've had enough. You ever been there? That's what you're doing when you say, God, I surrender to your will be. Put your stamp of your, your will in my life on my life. His kingdom is the fruit of the spirit. His divine character is in control of your thoughts, words, and actions at this point. Galatians 5, and 23. Lord God, this is where you begin to just pray a little bit. God, fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. Fill me with today with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How many of you think it would be a good day if you're walking in that? 
How many think it would be a good life if you're walking in that? You're surrendering. Listen, Santa Claus prayer time's over. Genie prayer time. Give me three wishes and put him back on the shelf's over. We ain't even got to praying yet. All we're doing is worshiping him and now surrendering to him. You pray for each of these in your life. What would your life be like if you walked in the fruit of the Spirit every day? What would your world at work be like? What would your attitude towards that irritating boss be like? What would our church be like? Pray for Jesus' divine character to control your thoughts, to think like God, pure thoughts, innocent thoughts. The mind of Christ, he tells us, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, we have the mind of Christ, we just need to walk in it. Pray for Jesus' divine character to control your words, bind the sins of the tongue, loose good words. Look, Psalm 143, 141 and 3, Psalm 141 and 3 says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. I, this is something I've been focused on so much. Put a guard over my mouth. You know what I picture? I pray this every day over me and, and my family and y'all. God put, I just see a little marching man, you know, doo, 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 back and forth. And I go to say something stupid, and that little marching man says, don't do it. I'm asking God, put a guard over my mouth. Watch my tongue. You want to live a good life with long days? The Bible says in the Old and New Testament, speak only good things. Pray for Jesus' divine character. Control your actions. Listen, his will is the leading of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit directing you into God's perfect plan for your life. This is where you say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. This is where you say, God, I trust in you with all my heart. I lean not into my own understanding. In all my ways, you said you would direct my path. Direct me today. There are people dying and going to hell, God, and I've got the answer. God, would you put them in my path? God, let me be the laborer somebody's praying for to reach their loved one today. God, I thank you that you promised me that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Order my steps today, God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then you move on to the third part, and that is let your requests be made known unto him. Let your requests be made known to him. That's give us this day our daily bread. Let your requests be made known. This, now this is where, in Top Gun, you come down off the mountain and you get down in the canyons. Now you start praying. You've already worshipped. You've waited on God. You've worshipped. You've surrendered. Now you say, God, give us this day our daily bread. This is that canyon prayer where you put the nose of that plane back down and you get in here where we live and say, God, I need your help today. And be specific about your needs. The more specific, the more answerable. Dr. Cho testified that he prayed for over a year for a chair, a desk, and a bike. He had nothing to work on, nothing to work with. He lived a mile from the church, was walking back and forth. He said, God, help me. He had no money, very poor. A year went by, nothing happened. And he said, God, I don't understand. He began to fast. And God said, well, it's because you ain't praying specific enough. He said, okay. Is what he prayed. He said, God, I want a Philippine mahogany desk. That's some expensive stuff. He said, I want a chair with an iron frame and rollers on the tips so I can ride around the office in it. 
and a bike made in the United States with gears because they're better made in the United States on the side to regulate his speed. Now, it didn't happen overnight, but in a short amount of time, he got all three, a Philippine mahogany desk, a chair with rollers on the tips, and a red bicycle with gears on the side from a missionary kid that was missionaries in Korea that had the bicycle and gave it to him. I want to tell you, God will answer specific prayers. Release those needs into the Father's care. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Pray for your needs daily. Let me, let me blow your mind with something with Pastor Larry Stocks. He'll blow our mind. He said, go home and divide your monthly budget, which you should have a budget, by 30 days. And you should pray every day for that amount of money. When's the last time you prayed today for the amount of money you need for this day for the rest of the month? So if you need $3,000 a month to live, pay your bills and buy food and all that. If you divide that by 30, that's $100 a day. When God says, give us this day our daily bread, he wants us to say, God, I need $100 today. We do that, myself and the elders, for the church budget. God, this is how much our church needs every day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Kenneth Hagin left pastoring in a, a, a regular salary years ago and he went out to evangelize, and he was getting $50 a week. Now, this was years ago, but I still couldn't pay bills in. He went to the Lord, and he said, God, I don't understand. I left to obey your will, and man, my, I don't have food for my kids. I, don't, I, I can't pay the bills. And he said, the Lord told him it's your fault. He said, what do you mean it's my fault? He said, Psalm 50. He said, did I not tell you in the word that the cattle on a thousand hills are mine? The silver and the gold are mine. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He said, you're letting the devil steal from you. He said, you've let the devil occupy what belongs to you. He said, command the devil to give off what's yours. He said, also, did I not tell you my angels are ministering spirits sent out to the earth to help those servants and the ministers and the people and the children of God? He said, send ministering spirits out to collect every dime you need. He said, okay. So he started praying. He said, devil, get off what belongs to me. I need $250 a week to survive. Now, this is years ago. And I command you to go. And I ask you, God, send out those ministering spirits to collect my money, what I need. He went to the next revival. And it was a very poor church. He'd been there before. The most he'd ever gotten is $50. These are very poor people. He prayed that prayer all week long. The pastor came to him and said, Brother Hagen, you ain't going to believe this. He said, I've never seen it like this. I've never seen our people give like this. I don't know how they did it. I don't know where they got the money. But here's a check for $250. He testified that from that day on, he never lacked a penny of what he needed. When we pray for God to give us our daily needs, we need to command the devil to get off what's ours and for God to send those ministering spirits. I've been praying that recently a lot for our Rehoboth. Get off our property. Get off our land. Get out of where God's putting us. And I don't care how expensive the building is. God send the ministering angels out to go give us every dime we need to walk into our property so we can win that community to the Lord. Somebody say amen. Then you go to number four, and that is forgive others in advance. I said forgive others in advance. This is where Jesus said, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Watch this. Forgive others in advance of who will offend you. Listen, you're going to get offended. 
The devil's going to make sure of that. What would happen if you started your day and said, God, I'll just go ahead and forgive everybody in advance right now? Because I know they're going to do it. I know when I get to work, old John at that coffee pot, I know I'm going to want to smash his face in. So, God, I just forgive him now. You see, then you're not surprised by it, and you've got it. God, give me a forgiving spirit. Forgive me for those who've done me wrong. Stand in the gap before God for mercy for your family. God, forgive my children for sins. For, stand in the gap for, for your city. When's the last time, God, you, God, have mercy on Cincinnati. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our sins as a nation. When's the last time you stood in the gap praying for the president and the congress and governor and mayor? Then you move on to the last, and that's number five, and that's do spiritual warfare. Now watch this. You are just now, after all this, getting to warfare. We in the church want to go straight to warfare. We ain't even been in the glory of God. You get in that glory of God, you worshiping God, you're surrendering to God, you're asking for your daily needs to be met, you're forgiving everybody in advance, forgiving every from the past. Man, your heart is right. Now is now. All this time is just now when you get into the last stage of warfare. Warring. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's where you do spiritual warfare against the powers of darkness. This is where you get into the warfare phase. You can't warfare until you've been in the glory of God because you don't have the presence of God, you don't have the mind of God, and you don't have the power of God until you've been in His presence. You put on the whole armor of God piece by piece here. God, I put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. I put on the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness. This is where you get ready for armor and battle. Here's where you take authority in resisting every demonic attack against your health. Every demonic attack against your finances, against your church, against our community and our nation. Here's where you say, devil, get your hands off my health. In the name of Jesus, by his stripes, I was healed. But when you do it now, you've got the authority and the power of God back in you. Command the devil, sickness and disease is not from God. Acts 10.38 says very clearly, watch what it says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Notice he was with the Holy Spirit and with power. The presence of God in power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Listen, sickness and disease is never from God. It is from the devil. You don't have to live oppressed by the devil in sickness. You can be healed. Your family can be healed. You demand the devil loose your health. And you demand good health back in Jesus' name. Is anybody hearing me? Y'all are looking at me like I done turned sideways now. Command the devil to loose your finances and pay you back sevenfold what he stole. Proverbs 6, 30 through 31. Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he's starving. But if he is caught and devil's been caught. He must pay back seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. Demand the devil give you back seven times. Look, he stole from you. Now he's got to pay with interest. Devil, give back every penny you stole from me personally. Devil, give back every dime you stole from our church in the name of Jesus. Command the devil. Take authority over the devil in your ministry and in our church. 
Command him to get off our property, our Rehoboth. Command him to get away from your children and grandchildren. Command him to get his hands off your automobiles and everything you own. He isn't allowed to occupy it any longer in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Ask God to send a great awakening to our country again. Ask God for revival again. Ask God to sweep again. Listen, you've been in the glory of God. You've worshipped. You've surrendered. You've asked God for your daily bread. You've forgiven everybody in sight. Now you go to warfare and you're in the presence of God and you're in the power of God. How many can already just listening to me feel the difference in your prayer life? This isn't Santa Claus prayers. This isn't rub the genie prayers. This is real deal New Testament prayer time. How many want to see a revival in our country? How many want to see revival in your family? How many would love it if God would start revival in your family right now? How many would love to see it in your neighborhood, in our church, in our city, in our nation? You know what I've been praying? I've been praying some crazy prayers. I said, Lord, I know President Biden gets a little confused. I pray, God, you turn his heart upside down for you. I pray you save him and play a joke on the world in the next two years. And he starts doing everything based on the word of God and the will of God only. I mean, wouldn't that be like the greatest thing we ever seen in our lives? God ain't past saving that man. God ain't past saving him and delivering him and setting him free and letting him be the greatest spokesperson of a president we've ever had for the glory of God. I'm praying for a great awakening. I'm praying for Jesus to pour out his spirit again. I'm praying for these altars to be filled and souls to be saved. I'm praying for the power of the Holy Ghost to be loose. That like a river of water, it flows in this place. That like a wind, it blows in this place. That like a fog settling on a city, it settles and saturates in this place. Woo! Glory to Adamashataya. Yes. I urge you to take notes on this and take them. Listen, I have a notebook and I just take the notebook to prayer and I just go praying through it. I'll worship a while and I'll go back and find my place and go. It keeps you on track. I don't know how I was going to end this, but the Lord just laid it on my heart. How many of you would say, man, I want I want revival. How many, raise your hand if you say, man, I got family members. We, we got to have revival. I got to have God move. 